This is the Instant Speed Podcast, episode number 48. Our guests today are the developers behind the growing in popularity phenomenon known as Flesh and Blood Online. That would be Nate Andre and Jotrick Rayom. So we will welcome them shortly. But first, I want to tell you that this episode of the Instant Speed Podcast is brought to you by Kayfabe Cards. Oh, yes, it is the place to go for flesh and blood and all other trading card needs. I hear they've got French history packs. You want to jump on those. Get all the tools you need to navigate the world of Wraith. Go directly to kayfabecards.com. That's K-A-Y-F-A-B-E-C-A-R-D-S.com. All right, the news. Lots going on here, friends, as Dynasty spoilers are leaking through. We've seen the cards, some of the cool stuff that's coming through. But how about the set contents what is in the set well there's a whole bunch to we can look at obviously as the breakdown of this particular set is um you know has people talking because it's getting a little bit more weighted towards legendaries and majestics 247 cards in the set is a bigger supplemental set than everfest 10 cards per pack 24 per box uh, packs per box but what do you get well there's a fabled we don't know what it is yet five legendaries and 51 majestics 81 rares 109 commons 14 cards are getting the marvel treatment like this bing pointing somewhere out there as the editor uh, squeezes the image in of equipment yes equipment is going to get the marvel treatment uh so that's going to be sweet people are going to be hunting those like crazy uh, having those on the board to start the game are going to look beautiful but what about this what about marvel heroes and the drop rate as prince distribution may have let the cat out of the bag when it comes to a very very elusive chase card what is being touted as the rarest card ever printed when it comes to flesh and blood a one in ten thousand packs yes one in ten thousand packs you can find a marvel emperor what is it going to look like how sweet is it going to be and what the hell is it going to sell for that is all up for you to imagine national season is getting underway shortly i will be competing in the canadian nationals in a couple weeks but there's nationals going on all across the world it is a top tier tournament uh all leading up to worlds that is going to be going down in november all right friends again like i said our guests today are nate andre and jotrick of Flesh and Bun Online. We talk about the legalities, the pitfalls, the challenges, as well as the exponential growth being seen by everyone's new favorite platform for Flesh and Blood. Well, I say new platform, digital platform, we'll say, because nothing beats playing it on a table across from someone. Let's meet our guests. The Instant Speed Podcast welcomes the development team from Flesh and Blood's digital platform of choice that has uh, essentially been rising in popularity recently. Uh, they are responsible for building and supporting Flesh and Blood online. So welcome to the show, Nate Andre and Jotrick Rayom. How are you, gentlemen? Good. How are you? Thanks for having us. Yeah, no worries. You guys have sort of been on the talk show circuit, uh, as it were, kind of promoting your stuff. You guys have been really... Um, ringing the bell on Flesh and Blood Online, but it's not necessarily just you, uh, you two who have been, you know, touted, you know, just tooting that horn and, and heralding just what this platform's capable of. There's a lot of other people doing so as well. But before we dig into that, I want to learn a little bit more about you both. So we'll start with you, Nate. Um, origin stories, how you got into card games and specifically your current involvement with Flesh and Blood. Where did it all start to get to where we are right now? How, how did I get involved with card games? Well, you see, when I was a young boy in Bulgaria, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, I, 
Do you get the joke? I don't know. Um, uh, so I started ever since I was a kid. Um, you know, I I used to make up my own cards. Um, you know, we we played a lot of games together as a family, and so I think that really drove uh, and kind of fostered a, a passion that I have for games. Um, I've always been really interested in creating my own games. I used to do that even as a kid. I still do that. Um, actually, you know, talking about origin stories on Flesh and Blood Online, um, I didn't start out doing Flesh and Blood as a as like a, an online simulator. Um, it started out as a simulator for a card game that I had designed myself. Um, but then, uh, you know, I saw a lot of folks talking about Flesh and Blood um, on, on the internet, you know, on, on YouTube, things like that. And I was like, man, this looks really interesting. I want to check this out. <laughs> Uh, you know, I watched some how to play videos, and uh, this was around the the Crucible time frame. You know, when the the first edition hype was just off the charts. Um, the problem for me was that I couldn't get cards. Um, you know, there there was nowhere to play near me. We're at the height of the coronavirus panic, and uh, there was nowhere you could get cards for for a reasonable price because the hype was just so so high. Um, and so I really wanted a way to engage with Fab, you know, explore the game mechanics and, and things like that. And so I was like, well, what if I just start throwing Fab cards into this game engine that I created? And, uh, you know, a, an hour or two a day here and there you know, adds up and, and it just kind of grew from there. So that's that's kind of how a lot of people, you know, like to sort of tie a little bow around it and was they they just sort of fall into the game and then they say a couple hours here or there and you have this i don't say masterpiece it's far from a masterpiece but you know pardon pardon the reality i'm sure you can agree but it is certainly we're, come, we're yeah it's certainly come a long way that's absolutely true and and for yourself uh Jotrick, what is your origin story i know that you and i met Face to face, uh, most recently yeah. in France, uh, you kind of just came came up behind me and said, "Hey," and I said, "Oh, how's it going?" And then you're like, "I'm the Flesh and Blood Online dude." I'm like, "Dude, <laughs> like, let's <laughs> chat." That's so great. Where where did it all start? Yeah, I think uh, it's all started in primary school, and you know, I was playing Pokemon, and after that, you got people introduce yourself to Magic, uh, playing card games. I think I've been playing games uh, all my life. Uh, it could be cribbage with my grandpa, or like. Playing like board games with my family, it was always something that was really popular. And uh, when I when I when I moved to to Europe a couple of years ago, I was playing a lot of video games, uh, and probably too much video games. Where at some point I just decided to give up and stop playing video games and just move to something more physical. And uh, with my wife, we started buying board games. Uh, I met people playing Magic. I I went back to Magic after like maybe 12 years of not playing card games or even more. And one day when we were, when I was at my LGS before playing Commander, there was one of my friends that was there with uh, the old Dim and Lexi Blitz decks. And he told me, do you want to play one before other people arrive? And I say, sure. And we tried playing Flesh and Blood and I never went back to any other card games since, uh, since last year. Now it's been almost a year and that's how I, I, I start Flesh and Blood, yeah. It's it's fascinating because a lot of people have that gateway drug, which is typically magic or Pokemon, like when they were young. For me, it was 20, 
five years ago almost you know picking up my first star wars ccg cards and it's just been down the hill from there but you know when you say there's there was up, no up good the hill you mean up well, the hill, up the hill. Well, climbing, <laughs> i mean to, listen to me i genuinely believe that there is no better game than star wars ccg when it comes to card games i will die on that hill flesh and blood is is a very is one of the best games i've ever played card game wise but star wars ccg and lord of the rings tcg were in my opinion, the pinnacle of unique card design when it comes to card games, because there's no life totals that you're attacking. You have like a mission. I I will I like I said, it seems like every second episode I go I go on this rant to talk about these games and why they're so good. I've I never sell those cards, but those games are amazing. But all right, back on the rails we go. Um, <laughs> we can talk about Netrunner. We can talk about <laughs> and this is this is awesome because like a lot of people who get into cards. You know, we're at that situation now where the age of it, like I look at the demographics of who listens to my podcast and the main chunk is like between, I think it's like between 28 and like 42, like that age bracket between like 25 and 40. Like people who grew up on card games now are still into card games, but they have like disposable income. So the the industry, totally. yeah, the industry is just like, dude, pump out card games. Like th there are people with money who want to do this stuff. Um, that, that said, we're, we're the digital platform the idea for it nate you mentioned that this was actually an idea that you had that a project that you had for another card game that you were that you wanted to that you made yourself right yeah that's right and what was that card game just out of curiosity oh it's I, it's tough it's really tough to explain it so uh i mean maybe not you guys have heard of uh like PUBG or um yeah like any of those more, Fortnite. Or, uh, Fortnite. yeah that's the one that sure. the, the kids the kids are playing these days <laughs> right uh it, it was kind of inspired by that so the idea is you've got like a deck of location cards and then every turn you pick a location that you want to move your character to and then um, uh, after you do all that, you can play some cards to try to guess where the opponent went. Like maybe you'll lob an airstrike or a mortar or something on a location that you think your opponent went and then you reveal. And then if you, um, if you were at the same spot, then you start a combat with the other player that was at the same spot. And you just do like a really simple rock, paper, scissors kind of thing. Um, so it was pretty simple. It was kind of a party game. I don't know if you've ever played like um, Bang or Werewolf or something like that, but it's it's kind of a similar vibe to it, I think. I got to revive my golf t my golf CCG idea. I'm telling you, I've I've <laughs> I have rules written. Well, out if you want to create an online simulator for it, then you Nate, know who to talk to. <laughs> you and I need to get together to put this together because honestly, I, this this golf card game idea that I that I came up with with a couple buddies like. I'm talking about 20 years ago. Um, let's I, do it. Let's talk. Let, let's take this offline. But. <laughs> we, will, we will absolutely. And then we'll have the PGA uh, down our throats. But we could just make up names for golfers. Golf? You can't own golf. You can't own a sport. You could, <laughs> you could own the rights to the players and such. But you can't own the rules, baby. All right. So the initial idea for the digital client was essentially kind of like an offshoot of another project that you were doing. But when did, uh, when you sort of, um, you know, sidestepped to flesh and blood and said we're going to translate this program to be a flesh and blood client 
you're mentioning that your game was a fairly simple rule, so I would imagine the engine you built for it is not to. I know nothing about programming, so please stop me if I'm if I'm sounding like an idiot, which I usually am. But no, so I mean, you're absolutely right. The engine was extremely basic. Um, I mean, it had uh, and and anybody that's followed Fab Online since the beginning, you know, since a year and a half ago when I started working on it, and there are a few, um, they'll know it was really rough. Uh, so it used to be that every time it, it was just constantly flashing because of the way that we did our refreshes. Yeah. Because what it was doing is every time it would send an update, it would send a request to the server to refresh. And then as soon as it was done, it would just refresh again, whether or not something changed. Um, and so that's already undergone multiple different uh, revisions. And we're actually um, you know, planning to revise that again. Uh, to help address uh, server scalability issues. But um, yeah, so that was a challenge. You know, getting the interactivity of Fab together was a challenge because um, in my game, you know, players will choose uh, what they want to choose. There's not really like the responses back and forth. Like you've got in Fab, you know, we've got all the layers and um, people can respond. And so that was all brand new for, for the Flesh and Blood implementation. And uh, Joe Trick, you you got on board after uh, you got on board a little bit later after sort of the transition was made from uh, this you know battle royale engine simple basic thing to flesh and blood. When did you get on? What at what point? I think I start I I started playing the platform like around six months ago, and I would say that probably the first two months, the only thing I did was to report a lot of bugs most of the time, and at some point. Uh, I just, I was reporting five or 10 bugs a day and I just thought to myself, like, why not try to fix those bugs yourself? Yeah, because I was reporting them. I have a background in computer science and everything. So yeah, I just asked Nate if he wanted some help and I started fixing my own bugs. So when I was reporting them, I could just fix them. And after that, I just went off track to implement, start implementing new feature. Uh, I created the UI that we have at the moment to try to improve it, to make it a little bit more pleasing. Like I don't have background in UI, so the UI is still rough, but I think it's playable and people are enjoying it. And now I'm doing, a, I started a Twitter also, started to do a little bit of marketing. Like I, I go to all those big events for Fab as a judge or as a player already, so I, I'm super happy to meet other content creator like I met you in Lille and just to try to talk a little bit to people and try to put a face uh, on the platform because I think it's even if we're not content creator I think it's a really good thing to just know who we are and be open to talk with people and and yeah that's I, I think that's a good point definitely uh, in any you know venture is like you know a new product comes out and there's no relatability because it's just a corporation yeah. i mean obviously you guys are not you're not microsoft but at the same time it's nice to know like when you came up to me uh Dodrick, and you're you mentioned who you were i was like holy crap okay like this is just this puts like you said it puts sort of a personal touch on on otherwise what to me was literally just the twitter account and i followed along and i was kind of on your updates and 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 i i've spectated games like a month or two ago or whenever the spectating was available i was just watching and just seeing how it was working and it was clunky and it's still it's still not smooth i mean but you're not a triple a studio producing something like runeterra where all the animations and the cinematics are just make for this 
smooth as butter experience. That said, not everybody wants or cares about that. It's the rules that are going to be needing a clean implementation. And I feel like when it comes to the hurdles of this program and shifting from a basic thing like your your initial game, Nate, to flesh and blood, it must have been like going zero to 60 in a, in, in a heartbeat here because... Uh, you know, as I was playing, and I've been streaming, I've been streaming Flesh and Blood online for the past week, and I've been enjoying it. To me, it's an outlet to connect to the community, and not out there to rank up or to you know do some hardcore testing for nationals or whatever. I'm there just to play and to connect with the community. I, I think that that is something like live gameplay is something that people in the streaming industry are you know the people who want to consume it. There's plenty, and this is a, a really good outlet for that to 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 go down but the as i was logging in i was my first um issues were always along the lines of i need to play a basic hero because i don't know how the triggers are going to respond i don't know how blood debt is going to be calculated i don't know how seismic surges are going to go down so i was like let's just go for the most basic you know silly hero that doesn't do a whole lot like let's just go with a katsu not worry about his abilities just jam a whole bunch of weapons yeah are you, are you insulting my ninjas? <laughs> Not at all. I'm listen. I I'm a ninja stand like through and through. Katsu is my baby. Like that's what I I that that's when I took the training wheels off of Fat Flesh and Blood was Katsu. Um, but that said, the initial hurdles and the triggers was this something for you, Nate, when you were building this and transforming it? Like how long did it take, and how many just. Uh, per, I, I would imagine that this is not just a total. Like, how many per day situations were like, oh, shoot, how do I implement, like, you know, uh, a merciful retribution triggering this or stopping a go again when this is killed or blah, blah, blah? Like, what were the main hurdles that you had to overcome when it came to translating these rules to something as complex as flesh and blood? Oh, I, I think the, the first biggest hurdle is that um, when I started working on this project, there was no comprehensive rule book. Uh, so that was pretty <laughs> challenging. <laughs> uh, we're, we're really thankful to, to have that now. And um, honestly, I'm really amazed at how comprehensive and complete it is. That's Every Josh Scott. I, I, Josh Scott. Yeah, there's a guy. shout out right there. There's Big a shout time. out. Uh, yeah, and that's from a programmer, right? Like, I have yet to find anything in there that is um, contradictory. Um, I've had to ask minor clarifications, but I think it's it's really amazing how complete that is. Um, so that was definitely a challenge. I think um, other challenges, the, the layering was definitely a challenge and trying to kind of retrofit that into an engine that already existed. Um, and I it's still a the, challenge today. Uh, we're still learning, like, every day we're still learning about, like, new layers that are missing and new stuff, like, new rules that we just have to add every day. Like, yesterday, Nate was fixing a big one, and, like, we are still... Do we need to talk about know. chilling ice vein? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think you need right to. One. You might have to. I mean, like, I got <laughs> to play a chilling ice vein for free, like, two days ago, but yesterday I had to pay for it, and I was like, hey... Nice job. Like they, they, they caught it. However, I, I think how, I got the I got the wrong name, didn't I, Jodrick? It's the yeah, it's the insidious chill vein. Insidious chill, that's the one. Yeah, oh, I got insidious chill. chill. Yeah. So, yeah. um, so this is like the most reported bug, I would say, on our uh, Discord over the last like week or so, and uh, we had attempted to fix it before. Um, people, what what they're asking for is pretty simple. It's just like, hey, we need a layer to be able to respond to this trigger. And we were like, all right, you know, we've got this system for firing off layers for triggers. Uh, let's do it. And so we did it. Uh, what we found is that it was um, actually 
throwing things in the wrong order. It wasn't it wasn't putting the layers in the right order. We were like, oh, that's that's really bad. Uh, and so we we reverted that change, and you know, of course, and we've been looking into it. And uh, yesterday was the first chance I got to really sit down and um, really dig into the details. And it turned out from the very beginning, um, the the play card, the function that we have for playing a card, was in the wrong order. So uh, it was doing like all the additional costs and and uh, things like that. And um, so you know, fuse is an additional cost. It was doing that before it created the layer for the actual card. When it's actually that's the first thing you're supposed to do is create the layer for the card. So that was a fun thing to try to reorganize. But it, we did it. Yeah, and and I know that uh, you know Jotrick, you as well are all constantly sort of just stomping on bugs and putting out fires. I mean, there's so much that's out there, um, you know, heroes and releases and stuff like this. That how many out of curiosity. How many bugs a day are you squashing? You know, it's a two-man operation here. It seems I don't know if there's no, anyone. No, 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 no. There's, there's more. <laughs> oh, okay, so that's that, <laughs> that's good news, and for sure, like Jotrick, you got in early, but in the early stages when this was really just sort of taking off, you know, what's a typical day in terms of bug reports and and squashing bugs for you? How many, and and what seems to be the most difficult thing to to resolve? I, I would say it's around like a dozen of them. Like I can easily, I cannot, I cannot find uh, a dozen of bugs anymore. Before I was playing and I could find a dozen and report them. Now I can fix some that people report. And it, it's crazy how like as soon as this gained popularity, there is like a new wave of players. There's a new wave of players that have knowledge, but also play older cards that were not played often and people start reporting more bugs so like you have this wave of bugs coming and yeah i if if i fixed a dozen of bugs in a day i'm happy with myself because i cannot fix everything there is a lot of like this layer problem and core stuff that uh, i don't understand yet because it's mostly nate work so he knows better and like it's we're, like we're working on trying to make that more accessible yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they the um the the problem I I always feel is like any time that there's a new set that comes out that you you must be absolutely hair on fire trying to sort things out and like now that the game is is like your platform I'd say would you guys agree that like a month ago the player base from a month ago to today has just exponentially just yes. rocketed yeah even just the last two weeks it's it's really amusing actually because um. We we have a like a how to play video from Tower Number Nine on our our uh, main page, and I happened to be looking at that last night, and I noticed it was from two weeks ago. I'm like, that's only from two weeks ago, and there's only he he had a screenshot of the main menu, and there were only six games going on. Uh, and then meanwhile, yesterday I saw I happened to to go there, and there were 55, and it was just just in two weeks that that much growth. So, so before we get into you know, the reason why that exploded. Yeah, a lot of that probably has to do with the fact that, I mean, we'll get into that. We'll, we'll definitely get into that. But there's a there's a, a, a very, you know, um, a, the elephant in the room here that I really want to dig into is the fact that there are, you know, legal restrictions or there's restrictions to what you can do with somebody else's intellectual property. Um, but it goes beyond that because there's also certain issues regarding just the core philosophies of what flesh and blood is meant to be and there's a reason why flesh and blood has not explored 
digital official digital clients or official digital outlets for playing the game and and you know like I, having spoken to people within LSS it's not because those opportunities which are likely incredibly lucrative to the company themselves like people are probably clawing you know hand and foot over each other to try to get to pay for the right to develop their game like to have the the rights to their 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 property but for you guys this is a fan-made project and i think a lot of people need to understand is that this is something like you know to the equivalent to a degree of fan fiction almost where you can't really profit off this um by selling access to it you can garner support through things like patreon which you guys have been getting a lot of i would imagine because this is sort of shot up but what are the initial legalities regarding your of your ability to produce a client like this with their cards with their logos with their intellectual property what's the what's the the first sort of barriers that you guys needed to to put to bed so uh this was definitely something i thought about a lot especially when i first started out this project i was like uh is this is this really okay and um and so i actually i had contacted lss quite quite a long time ago and um their 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 response was pretty basic they just said hey have you seen uh this section on rule enforcement engines on our uh terms of studio assets page um, and so I read through that, um, making sure that, that I was in compliance with that as best as I could. Uh, or, well, I should say, I, I made sure I was in compliance with it. Um, uh, and so I, I'm not a, as worried about that aspect. I think the, um, the aspect that, that is a bigger concern to me, because, you know, I, I, I love Flesh and Blood. It's, I think it's an amazing game. And, and the reason I started doing this is because of that. You know, I've devoted a lot of time uh, just because of how much I love this game. It's it's a passion project, right? And I don't want to jeopardize that mission. You know, I think that is really important. That's one of my favorite things to do every week is to go and play with the the local community at our, our LGS. Um, the problem for me is that I don't get enough of those opportunities. I, you know, I've got a full-time job. I've got a wife, I've got kids. Uh, and so, you know, I, I count myself lucky if I'm able to go, uh, you know, once every every week. Um, and so Flesh and Blood Online, what I feel that does for me is it gives me the opportunity to tune my decks, to practice, to um, stay in touch with the, the community and make it so that I can make the most out of that really precious and limited time that I have to, to play with my friends at the LGS. And on my, on my side, uh, I was so stressed when I was in Lille and I heard some people asking to the Q&A. Uh, they asked James White, what do they eat things about Flesh and Blood online? And it was a moment where like you're just waiting for the answer. And really, I really love like every time James White answer a question and like every time he talk about the game, how, how he bring this, his vision to everything. And the fact that he said that he, he doesn't mind about flesh and blood on, online and that as, as long as it stays something that is, uh, an addition to what flesh and blood is, you know, and I, I, I truly believe that, that me and Nate, uh, we can make that happen. We can, make sure that this goes in line as much as possible with what James White wants for this game, because 
if he didn't have this vision, I don't think this game will be where it is today. And it's it's why we love this game so much, and that's why we love it so much. So I really, I really hope there is there is a way, and I really believe there is a way to to have this work one with the other as a as a complementary thing, as something that can welcome new people that don't have L, uh, LGS in their city or new people that are not confident to go to LGS to play or not confident to go to a calling. Like you cannot go to a calling for for the first time you play and learn the game. So I really hope that this platform can help bring more people to uh, this flesh and blood and amazing game, yeah. That's what I was kind of, what I wanted to allude to is, or to get to, Jotrick, is that you were in Lille and I remember it because you, you spoke to me. You're like, I, when I heard that question asked, you were kind of tensing up because th- that could have yeah. been, it was like, it was like about to hear a verdict, right? You know, you're on exactly. trial and, and it's, there's some, there's some significant, you know, repercussions if that answer goes the wrong way. But the communication with LSS, in my in my opinion, I think about this specifically, they LSS has always been very transparent about things. Um, you know, be it personal, you know, from something as as small as a one on one chat with you know, like when I chat with James or I chat with Josh Scott or I uh, I chat with um, you know anyone from LSS, they've always been very upfront and honest with me whether I. I like the answer in the reply or not, they've always given me the respect of being completely honest with me. And I feel like that's, uh, that is something that they've done also with the community. And like you mentioned, the Q&A, this is, this is not a, a secret society. Flesh and Blood Online is something that you guys are actively promoting and pumping the tires on. And they'll, they're, they know, dude, they like, what's incredible about LSS is they know what someone said on a random podcast, you know, three months ago and they listen to the stuff because they're fans of the game so they're fans of the content as well and this is where the communication the transparency where lss is important and when i wanted to start streaming this because i was like i was a full-time streamer for many years i just the games never made for a fun experience for me after a while so i quit and i didn't like to do it anymore but this has rejuvenated me because the material and the community have me going off on it so i contacted lss and i'm like listen i i'm not an lss employee i'm not employed by the company but i'm contracted out you know indirectly by the tournament organizers that they hire to represent their game so i'm uh i i represent lss on broadcast and i i contacted them because i i didn't want to put myself in hot water in any degree to say like look can i can i represent this and the answer that i got from them was the same answer that uh, i think that you know was very public which was as long as this doesn't take away from the in-person mission of the game. Like, if people are, are suddenly saying, I'm not going to my LGS for armories, I'm going to do the armories online, on Flesh and Blood online, then they might step in. And I don't know for sure, like, I don't have any inside information of what their mission is with, with Flesh and Blood online, what their objective is with it, how much they're going to be, you know, quote-unquote, turn a blind eye or support it or just be okay with it to coexist with it. But what I've understood from them is that if this is something that puts the community together in some capacity, like I, the way I approach it, as I said, this is not for me to replace the game in person. It's for me to connect with the community and to just have an outlet for that hour in the evening that I have where I can't play with anyone else. Like, I think you guys have done a, a great thing here, but at the same time, this might just sort of evaporate in a moment right it might just be poof goodbye ninja dust you're gone 
And Nate, how have you reconciled sort of living on that razor's edge where at one point they may just suspect that, you know what, like COVID's done, the pandemic's over, everything's open, um, you know, whereas Flesh and Blood Online you, at one point may have been a necessity to a degree where people couldn't go out because of the pandemic and the lockdowns and the restrictions. So this was just in a, in a critical juncture of a game's development so early, they needed it to keep the game relevant afloat people playing it but now they don't they don't need that as it were and they could just at one point i don't say come after you that's very aggressive but you know what i mean nate like how do you reconcile the fact that this could at any moment just kind of if just like just dissipate so have you ever heard that saying where they say sometimes even though you you really love something the the best thing for it is to let it go i have heard Um, that yes um Usually with chocolate, and I have never, never done that. <laughs> that that that's kind of how I feel, you know. Um, I mean, I, I I personally think that this is a great thing from for the game and also for for that mission for um, meeting all together in Flesh and Blood. Um, you know, I'll be the first one to admit I would much rather go to the LGS and and play with my friends there than play on Flesh and Blood online. Um, it's just a, a, a much better experience. Um, even just the the feeling of the cards, you know, the community with those other players is is really outstanding. That's what really keeps me in the game. I've got a bunch of my my armory promos even just sitting right here, right? Um, so yeah, absolutely. I think um, if James White sat me down and and said, uh, you know, I I really think that this is is harming our mission, I, I would accept that. That's a good approach. And again, it's all for the love of the game. The same thing that inspired you to create this and to make the client must be the same thing that you're going to lean on should this just go belly up in a, in a, in a sense. Um, I personally look, and again, uh, you know, I have, I, I, I have stakes in the company. I don't want to say stakes in the company, but like I have a relationship with the company. I work uh, their broadcasts and such. Um, but I, I've always been very upfront with them, and I'm, as I'm upfront with you guys, uh, in the sense that I think that it's a, it's a, I think it's a good thing. I do think it's a good thing in its own space. I think that the, I mean, the client itself, right out of the bag, it's, it's obviously for those who've played Hearthstone or Runeterra or MTGA or Gwent or whatever, like it's not going to be a polished experience, but it's going to be an experience. But at the same time. Flesh and Blood is so much more layered than a Hearthstone, you know, or so much more layered than uh, Gwent. I don't, I wouldn't say magic necessarily. There's a lot going on in there. But however, you know, I think that this is important for players to learn the game as well when the rules are essentially rigid, set in stone, so they understand where they might be missing something. They can learn triggers and learn stacks and such. And ultimately... I, 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 it's like, it's, it's tough to reconcile, like, because you're, you're not official, but you're also sort of being adopted by the community as like the official outlet. Like everybody is just saying like TTS, that's out. That's old news. Uh, it's just not the thing. This is dedicated from the ground up for flesh and blood. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, you know, our goal isn't to replace TTS. Our goal isn't to replace Felt Table. You know, I think those other platforms um, also have a really valuable place within the community. You know, 
Um, TTS, it gives you a lot more control than we do. Um, it, it lets people, um, you know, some people want to practice remembering their, their tuning triggers, right? Like, that's a, a pretty big difference um, from Flesh and Blood Online. Uh, felt Table, you know, I, I use Felt Table myself. Um, I think what he's doing is, is absolutely amazing. I, I think it's even better for new players, a new player experience, than Flesh and Blood Online. Um, I think I saw, even just this morning, Jotrick, uh, saw a new player come into our Discord, and uh, they were like, hey, I'm looking to learn this game, um, what should I do? And, and Jotrick said, go play on Fell Table. Cause... <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you, entering well, any armory... Back. <laughs> yeah, entering any armory or any game of Flesh and Blood Online for the first time is difficult. We don't have a tutorial in place to learn people. Yeah, there's... There's some nice video uh, on YouTube to learn how to play Flesh and Blood Online, but uh, yeah, Felt Table might be better. At least you can play against an AI that that block and play some cards once in a while, and like that's that's really cool. But I I, I strong I strongly believe that like I don't I don't think they will necessarily take it down. Like I and even if they if they would, I think it could be like someone else at some point if Flesh and Blood keep going popular, someone else will create something else. Like it, I think it's just a question of time before people want to want to play it sometime online like if you if you can play your armory once a week like you want more flesh and blood in your life like once a week you might not be enough like the, the game is so good and everything like i don't know there's thing there's a there's it's an amazing experience to you yeah i'm, I'm the, that and everything i've i've essentially been playing it you know two three hours a day just sort of streaming it to people and uh, to me, again, it's more of a community thing. Like I, I'm not out there trying to refine a deck to go win a nationals. I'm out there to communicate with the the community and learn new decks and just play against people with you know in a random setting to a degree. The community response, however, uh, has been uh, overwhelmingly positive lately. And um, you were at sort of the ground level there, Jotrick, in, in France, uh, speaking to a lot of people regarding the, uh, the platform, I believe. And uh, the major, you know, catalyst here for the, this surge in your popularity, I, I mean, you have to credit a lot of the pros who have been very vocal about their relationship with Flesh and Blood Online and how it's uh, helped them practice to a degree. I mean, Matt Folks, I think, was talking yeah. about Flesh and Blood Online. Tark Patel talking about how great Flesh and Blood Online is, as well as many more pros, but also just the casual players out there are now kind of giving it a chance. Once you have that endorsement, you can move forward. You know, what was your response to people like Matt Folks and Tark Patel saying, hey, this is what I'm very comfortable using playing on and you know happily practicing on it was very my, my first my first uh my first response was to go see Tarek in person and just tell him thank you like it's a, because i i met him in france also and just to say how grateful we are that of his shout out because i i i do believe that the first boom was from him on twitter that just mentioned us that he didn't have any partner playing partner in France just before the Pro Tour. So it practiced on Flesh and Blood Online. And for me, it, it was amazing to be able to meet him and say thank you. Uh, I didn't have the opportunity to talk with Matthew because he did uh, his interview after winning the Pro Tour. Uh, but 
but when I watch this interview, like the, the, this clip where he's talking about Flesh and Blood Online, it's just, it's just amazing to hear that about the project that you've done. And it's, it's make you feel emotional that, and, and so grateful that someone can enjoy it and play it and, and be successful with it. Like, it, I, don't, I, I don't think that I have the words for it. Yeah, it's just amazing. We love all the feedback that it might be uh, the positive and the negative. We're really happy and open to take all of it and try to improve on it. And that's probably the, the best thing from like Twitter. We receive feedback from a lot of different people and a lot of different pros, a lot of different cons. Like, I think we, it, it helps us so much because without this feedback, the platform wouldn't be what it is right now. Yeah. Like this feedback is what makes the platform improve every day. The ideas of people, the, rip, the bug report of people, like all of that is, it's really overwhelming and amazing. And I'm really, really grateful to you. To everyone that communicates with us, everyone that I met in, in France, I'm super happy. Like everyone was so, so nice. Yeah, some people met me for Flesh and Blood Online, but some people I just met some content creator and everyone was overwhelmingly positive and it's, it's really a great thing. Nate, on your side, seeing people celebrate your initial achievement and, and you know, just as a team, everybody, have, have, is, do you guys call it Fabo? Is it Fabo? Fabo? <laughs> Fab oh. online, I think. <laughs> it's like we no. prefer Fab online. Okay, well, Fab O sounds like some brand of cereals or something. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. I was gonna say it sounds like a clown name or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I always think of Gabo from uh from The yeah. Simpsons. Yeah, <laughs> Fabo, Fabo, Fabo. Yeah, and the, all these little bugs are SOBs. Okay, I'm done with The Simpsons references. Um, that that, but like hearing the community, you know, react positively to your your baby in that regard, Nate. Um. How does that, you know, inspire you? It must be just extra coal in the furnace for you. It, it absolutely was. Uh, it was an extremely emotional experience for me. Um, you know, a lot of this project for me was all about the the joy of creation and and just being able to see other people kind of sharing in that that joy that I've had throughout this process was a really uh, rewarding experience. Um, you know, Matthew's video, I, I probably watched like 10 times the little clip that Jotrick made and posted on Twitter. Um, when I saw the, the tweet from Tariq Patel, uh, I was shaking. I was getting ready for bed and I saw that and I started shaking and I, I couldn't sleep. And so uh, what I did is I went down and I started coding. It's great motivation. And it's like any other, anybody's job or anybody's project, you know, if somebody kind of reads part of your creative writing and says, wow, this is good. Or, you know, somebody, for me, it's like when somebody tweets and says, hey, that was like, a, I, I got that reference that you made casting, right? You know, I think that you're a good, like, it's, it, it does so much for you. It's incredible. Uh, but you guys have also had negative criticism and, and and to a degree and listen you guys have been on the circuit you know your guys have been sort of front row center in the spotlight of the community in terms of talking points for sure and you know i don't think anybody is criticizing flesh and blood online for what it's trying to do from a technical standpoint because you know nobody's out there saying well you know i i played an insidious chill and it didn't pitch a blue like garbage throw it in the garbage like no no one's saying that i think a lot of the criticism is possibly in terms of what you are putting out there which is in contrast to the philosophy of what flesh and blood is 
Um, your response, I know that we talked a little bit about this uh, in regards to what LSS's response is, but what about to the community who say, well, fa- you know, f- I was going to call it Fabo. Flesh and Blood <laughs> Online is is meant, is is sort of, you know, the antithesis of what the core philosophy of Flesh and Blood is. And yeah, it's a card game, and yeah, it's this, and yeah, it's whatever, and you may be skirting around the actual word of law that is printed on the rule book and the legalities of it. You guys might be in fine in terms of that but from a, a core perspective of your of what you're doing you are going against what flesh and blood is and therefore i cannot support you and i will never use your product i mean that's very dramatic but there are people who may have yeah. be leaning that way uh in this in, it's kind of like in the same way where everybody's taught like says like oh you've never seen pulp fiction what's what, what's wrong with you and then i say well now i will never see it just so that just to shove it in your face so like for you guys, how do you how do you approach that type of criticism? Uh, I mean, it hurts a little bit, but I, I think it's pretty fair to you know, I, it's something that is constantly at the the top of our minds. It's something we're constantly thinking about because we don't want to be jeopardizing that. Um, you know, we we don't think we are. We think, uh, like we've talked about earlier, that it does a lot of things. It helps people. Uh, get an avenue to try the game. It um, can re-energize them by, you know, giving them opportunities to, to play. Uh, it can let them build confidence to to be able to, to seek out that first armory event or, or calling or, or whatever the case may be. And so we absolutely do think that what we're doing is um, consistent with that mission of getting people together in the flesh and blood to play a great game, you know, and... Um, I think that that's very subjective, though. And so if other people don't feel that way, um, I, I think that's a, a perfectly valid opinion to, to have. From all the the negative feedback, or not necessarily negative, but like the worries of the community, uh, I really agree with most of it. Yeah, I haven't received anything that's that was negative just to be negative. Everything that people brought to us we totally agree with it and I'm really grateful that they bring it to us so we can be self-aware of like what could be a bad direction to take this project. And I agree with everything. Like we want to keep this as close as possible to James White's philosophy because this game is built on that. And if we try to go away, it wouldn't be flesh and blood and it we wanted to keep being flesh and blood, yeah, because that's the game that we really love. Yeah, yeah I think intent has to be taken into account here. That you're not do you you both are are not doing this to get rich, you know. Like this isn't a project where down the line you're like, I can't wait to to sell this for you know seventeen million dollars and get even. We, we couldn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even if we wanted to, right? Because um, you know LSS does have that specified on their their terms of use page. Right. So um, again, but yeah, you're absolutely right. But for everybody who is just curious here, and like this is a, a lot of the questions that I fielded regarding Flesh and Blood Online from the community were, what are the legalities of this, and how how can they do this without you know. Um, you know, not say upsetting LSS, but without sort of stepping on these little hidden landmines of of you know legal text and and fine print that might actually just absolutely pump the brakes on what you're trying to do. But in reality, you've been 
all you've all been very responsible in making sure that this is fine. LSS is aware of it. This isn't some secret cabal that you guys are are putting together here. This isn't the flesh and blood Illuminati uh, that sure, you guys no. Like, there's no way that James White doesn't know it exists. Like, yeah, he's on Twitter all the time, and I feel like it's been two weeks that people mostly talk about flesh and blood online. Hey, they they and, know. Like, I've I've contacted LSS to see him. Like, hey, you guys have no problem me streaming this stuff, and they're like, no, as long as the goal remains the same of you know, it's community based. Probably play some games, and we don't know. You know. Oh, for sure. I will. I will. I don't know for sure, but I'm willing to bet dollars to donuts at the fact that they've absolutely played on the on the platform to some degree either to explore it and see what it's about or otherwise just because they want to play they won't tell you that as, so. as long as joshua didn't didn't try otherwise i think they will revoke my judge level one thing <laughs> <laughs> joshua is first of all i think joshua has a phd in computer sciences and stuff like that like josh scott is probably one of the most fascinating people i've ever met in a long time Every time I'm in an at an event where he's there, we always make time to go for dinner together because I just want to hear him tell me stories of stuff. Like he's uh, amazing. He's a genius. Um, Maybe maybe that's why the comprehensive rule book is as comprehensive as it is. We were talking about that earlier. Oh, it is. Uh, Well, Josh basically sort of first of all, Josh. I think, uh, and again, Josh, if you're listening, and I'm wrong about this, please mention sound off tell me that i'm wrong but i think he told me a story where when he was doing the rule book and rewriting it he went to go pick up rule books from like other card games and got like the comprehensive rule book from magic and went through it and is like this is this is awful like it contacted magic and made suggestions on how they can improve it and i'm pretty sure that they took a lot of his advice because like he's like some of the font is different the wording's wrong it's not consistent and he just like went and fixed their rule book too <laughs> so the guy is just incredible but what about features that are coming soon because you guys are tweeting out almost daily like this laundry list of of stuff that you guys have improved on or fixed or issues that have been rectified uh Jotrick, you are working like a madman same as you need uh neat nate neat nate uh, there you go. Uh, you as well, Nate. But what are you at? What did, like how much time is is spent? Um, what percentage of time that you spent on Fab Online is dedicated to um new features and improvement versus just putting out fires? Like what what's what's that ratio? And and what can we expect down the line? So that that depends a lot on what's going on. I mean, people that have been uh, following the platform this last week will know that a pretty significant amount of our time has been set, spent on ser- server stability, uh, scalability, things like that. Um, and that's actually something that I, I've been working on um, for the majority of my time, actually for the last three weeks, because um, there are other things kind of behind the scenes that were uh, less visible that I had to work on. Um, we had uh, a lot of bandwidth that was being taken up unnecessarily. And so uh, I had to do quite a lot of work to try to, to cut that down. Um, and then, you know, within this last week with the huge um, blow up of, of visibility that we've had, it's been a little bit of a challenge to keep the keep the servers running. So um, a lot of it's been that. Um, as for like a more normal time, um, this is where I'm going to say, you know, shout out to Jotrick and, and huge kudos to him because uh, he does like almost all the bug fixes and, and even more than I would even be able to do myself in, in the limited time that I have. 
Um, and so that's how we really started to get that known bugs list um, narrowed down is because he's been so active in, in that regard. And so uh, recently I spend a lot more time um, doing more of those features, things like that. Um, you know, every once in a while there's something he doesn't know how to do. And, and so what we'll do is we'll we'll get together and we'll we'll code together, do some paired programming. I don't know if you've heard about that, but um, that's something that I really like doing. Um, just because, you know, I am a very community-oriented and face-to-face and -face kind of person. I really enjoy those types of interactions. Um, I think you can see that even in, in how we do our development. Yeah, um, I... It, it, one of the main reason I, I wanted to start fixing bugs is like I was reporting so many of them and I wanted Nate to be able to work on new features. So I really think that like in the last two, three months, like it really helped that to have someone else that can fix those bugs just so we can work on new feature. And we have we have more to come. Like I'm really excited about uh, new ways to support a content creator that use the platform either with their Patreon to be able to like offer reward, for example, on the website. Uh, so let's say you're a Patreon of Flake and Flake want to have his own uh, sleeves on the on the platform. We could we we want to make it possible that you can easily just have access to those sleeves. Yeah, just little pic little pictures, nothing too complicated, but like to to be able to to support a uh, content creator as much as like LSS support co uh, content creator a lot. And I, we want to go in the same direction. Uh, it's one of the feature that personally I'm really excited about. It's uh, there's a lot that a, a people are already enjoying about flesh and blood online. And there's a lot more to come. Um, you guys have been doing like, like you mentioned, Nate, uh, Jotrick just in, in, in uniquely has been doing a lot of work. You've, you've been doing a lot of work. I can tell just by talking to you guys, and I know I met, I met you in person, Jotrick, you know, a really pleasant, awesome person to speak to, but the passion that you guys have just been putting through here um, on this podcast just to talk about about it, and the fact that you guys are like, you know, if, if, they, if they step in and say, listen, this is sort of infringing on what we want to do, you know, can you guys stop that you'll just, you'll just get off the horse and say, you know, it was a sweet ride. But is there an end goal for you guys? Like, at what point are you saying, you know, mission accomplished? Or has, have you already reached that point? What is the, the end goal here? And, and I hear a lot of this from people where they're like, well, you know, why doesn't LSS just acquire your platform and go from there and just pay for your, your, your work and buy it and then develop it? Uh, is that something that even you'd be interested in? Do you want to, like, what is the end the end game here? So I think you already said it. I, I feel like I've reached my end goal. And that, that was something that I was just talking to my, my wife about yesterday, actually, is, um, you know, I, I used to play uh, the Keyforge on, online simulator, the, the Crucible online, a lot. Uh, and that was kind of my goal is, um, let me make something like this for Fab that, that people enjoy. Um, and, and I feel like we're there. And so um, now we're kind of on to what are the new goals? Um, if LSS approaches wanted to, to buy us out or, or whatever, um, I mean, I'll say, LSS, you tell, you tell us what you want us to do, <laughs> and we'll do that. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, 
as far as our mission, kind of what, what I hope to accomplish going forward, we want to improve access to Flesh and Blood. We want to make it possible for people to play Flesh and Blood when they want to play it. Uh, we want to help them stay connected with the community wherever they happen to be in their life. Um, we want to help people build their confidence to be able to, um, you know, have, have the, the confidence to walk into that LGS for the first time. Um, that's, that's kind of our core goal. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a core goal that come to my, my mind personally for Flesh and Blood Online. It's, uh, it's a lot of personal goals, I think, that I'm getting through this. Uh, some of my personal goal will be to, to, to get a new job after that in, in computer science. I don't currently work in computer science, but I do believe that uh, it's somewhere I would go. Like if, if LSS want an official client and they want to hire me at the same time, that's the kind of thing that I will be happy in the future. Uh, it could be that, it could be that, uh, you know, I'm a level one judge, I want to improve on the ruling, which is something that goes amazingly well with Flesh and Blood Online, because I learned so many cases that I didn't know existed before. So I want to pass my level two judge and keep traveling at the same time as I keep meeting people and uh, playing Flesh and Blood, like on those big events. And that's really where all of this is a little bit connected for me. That's my that's that's my goals. I think is just to keep doing more flesh and blood and improving and as a developer. Yeah. Would you ever sell this to somebody who isn't LSS? No, absolutely not. All right. So I I used to do this uh, this game at at the bar when I was bartending, and you know on slow days it's either with the the wait staff or it's with the patrons at the bar or whatever on on slower nights where I would send them a really silly scenario. It was usually something not very appropriate, but it would be like, would you do X, Y, Z for a million dollars? And then they'd be like, no. and then, yeah, well, they'd be like, oh, for a million dollars, I'd do it. And then I would bring it down. I'd be like, well, what about 900,000? And then eventually it's incredible what they'd settle for. Like it usually get them down to like five grand for something that they were like, I would never do that. I'm like, what about for a million? And like, oh, for a million, I do it. And then it's like, okay, for five grand, we've, we've basically found you out like where your, your baseline is. But if somebody who is not LSS comes up to you guys and said, listen, we're gonna, we're prepared to give you each $2 million for this. Wow. All right. I would say yes. I was going to say, Jotrick's like, you, you do. Like, yeah. Like, Two million dollars? You crazy? I live in Poland. That's like six million in Polish dollars, you know? Yeah, that, that's a lot of money. I mean, right. I, I, for somebody who's been to Poland many times, my, yeah, that dollar goes a long way. My wife will kill me if I don't accept two million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Nate, uh, three million. <laughs> No. no. All right. I'm not going to go too far, but I'm going to say 10 million. No. All right. Fine. 25 not million. Much money. Not much I'm money. not even listening to what number you're right. saying. Fine. Okay. Cool. All right. That that's that's good. But if the dump truck shows up with uh, you know piles of greenbacks on them, I promise you, there's 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 going to be that sort of. I don't have the money. I ain't trying to buy it. But either way, uh, hard bargain. Absolutely. All right, friends. Uh, that's it for the main discussion here with uh, Nate and Jotrick. We do have the Go Again segment around the corner. Boys, are you going to join me for that? Absolutely. Yes, for sure. Beauty. All right. We'll be right back with Go Again right after these words from BCW Supplies. Instant Speed is proudly supported by BCW Supplies. If you need protection for your cards, be it sleeves, 
deck boxes, storage, organizational tools, or hey, are you a comic book collector, a coin collector? BCW Supplies has your hookup. Use the code ISP10, get 10% off all of your orders. Go to bcwsupplies.com. BCW, protect, store, display. Welcome back, friends. It's time for Go Again. We're going to go wide on a series of questions here for Nate and Jotrick. Basically, I've taken some community-submitted questions, concerns. We've A lot of these are very, you know, I was going to use the term girthy. That's not the word, but they are quite wide, as spicy. it were. Yeah, <laughs> spicy is the, yeah, it's the terminology sometimes. Like my my brain, you know, sort of fumbles through the thesaurus sometimes it's like let's land on this awkward word that's why i said i said moist on a on an episode like last week and i was like mm, maybe not all right rules are basically these are community submitted questions uh there's no time limit there's no lightning round there's no bonus points you just answer and uh we're starting with ollie aka uh Kirirasu, uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly, either way, asking, with all the shout-outs from content creators in the last days and the growing number of games, is it possible to maintain the quality of the site? Will there be major changes once this, uh, a certain threshold of players is reached? Love the, thir- uh, love the service. Great site. Keep it up. I think this is a really great question. Um, you know, we've all seen the the servers have had some difficulty in the the last week or so. I think this is a great point to give a shout out to our server admin, um, Bluffkin. Uh, he's done a lot of amazing work um, keeping that online um, for the most part this week. Uh, you know, it's it's a learning experience for all of us. Um, you know, a shout out to my wife as well. She's she's actually well versed in in computers and and she's helped out. Um, here and there. Um, w- without Bluffkin and, and my wife kind of helping out with that, there wouldn't have been a Fab Online this week. Uh, just because, you know, uh, th- there's been a lot of challenges with doing that scaling. Um, I think we're in we're in a little bit better of a place right now, but, you know, there's always the, the question of what happens if the number of players doubles again? Uh, and so it's, it's definitely uh, going to be a challenge going forward. Uh, I think the other big aspect of quality is um, how are we managing updates? Because that's a really huge challenge. When I first started this project, um, most of the time there was nobody playing on the site. And so I could just kind of drag and drop files at my leisure, you know, and make a code change here. We just drop it up, up there onto the server and it's not a big deal. But now when we've got 50, uh, 50 games going on, which might be, which is 100 players, right? That's kind of a lot. You can't just um, uh, just break all those people's games. That's that's kind of disrespectful to, to their time and and um, you know their enjoyment. And so, um, does it occasionally happen that we make a mistake where uh, the server breaks and and breaks people's games? Unfortunately, yes. Um, but that is something that we're really mindful of, trying to improve our processes and and. Um, try to to make sure that, that happens less and less as as time goes on. As as for the ma- ma- major changes, I don't think we have anything planned to, like if we reach thousand players, that we're gonna change anything. I really hope that we can uh, just improve on the quality that we have right now and improve on the on the ruling of things. So to make it clearer, like all the priority step, but also to make it uh, better for people like. If, for example, people that play Icelander, if they want to skip the whole turn of priority or something, to have better way to skip through those and make the game a little bit more fluent is something that uh, 
that are could take some time, but it's a big change we want to do with times. I dig it. Uh, next one coming from Jordan Kennedy, aka I'm Jordan uh, German on uh, Discord. If you guys want to join the Instant Speed Discord, you can gladly do so. We'd welcome you with open. Send arms. us a link. <laughs> yeah, we're, we'll put a link there, but put also in the description below. Yeah, yeah. hit Slam the like that, button and subscribe. Yeah, bingo! <laughs> Use the code Flake Five, get five percent off all of your. Uh, I don't know what kind of energy drink people are peddling these days, but uh, we don't do that here. Uh, I have a firm policy that unless I'm consuming something myself, I wouldn't. I'm not gonna pedal uh, any of these like G fuel. I, I really respect that. I, I respect that, dude. Like. <laughs> I, I've heard I've gotten like offers and stuff in in like through email, and I'm like, what is this? Like, uh, there like if you track back maybe a few weeks ago, uh, not weeks, a few months ago, I I tweeted out, I'm like, anyone have any, you know, reviews about G Fuel? And all the G Fuel people who sell oh, yeah. G Fuel are like, it's amazing. And everybody who's actually who's not getting paid by G Fuel is like, yeah, it's just like it's Kool Aid, like it's what it is. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, okay, because like I they like reached out and i wanted to try it before i did it but i'm like oh we're just gonna decline <laughs> it's like not happening however if you're a coffee people please send me coffee i will absolutely pedal for coffee in a heartbeat all right definitely coffee people oh for sure <laughs> so uh jorman aka jordan kennedy great great player uh out in the sort of the ohio region says uh this is a question that you guys already touched upon but maybe just again to sort of wrap it up with a nice bow Asking for the developers, how do you respond to the criticism of the platform actively hindering um, LSS's core philosophies? Are you worried that LSS uh, and how they'll or how LSS will respond to the growing popularity of your of your platform? So uh, also throws out there, hey, leagues make leagues and stuff like that. So he's it, Jordan's a, a degenerate gambler. I, I say that because he's my friend, but he just wants any way <laughs> that he can sort of have a ranking and come out on top in a degree. But again, just we'll start with you, Jotrick, uh, just sort of like yeah. wrap a bow on this whole con, uh, this whole discussion of how, uh, you know, Fab Online is contradicts uh, LSS's is core philosophies of playing in person. Yeah, we we are totally happy to take all the criticism that goes our way uh, because we we understand the philosophy of James White and the company of LSS and we are we really want to be go hand in hand with this philosophy. We don't want to go away and if we ever go too far away just tell us because we're going to make sure to keep going in that direction and I'm not worried about LSS response to, to the platform because so far everything they told us indicate that they they accept it for what it is as long as it doesn't become something else or we don't uh, disrespect their, their terms and services. So for me, I'm not worried. I believe in myself and Nate to, to do what's good. Yeah, I believe that we are good people that want just the best of flesh and blood. So I think, I think we're in the good way to make this an amazing thing for the couple of years to go, for sure. Yeah, I, I think I'll just echo what Jodrick said. I, I think he said that very well, you know. Um, I think one one other thing I would say to, and we would love to hear from LSS if they ever feel like we're starting to infringe on that, you know, we'll we'll work to correct it as soon as we can. And if they say it's time to turn it off, then, then we'll turn it off. And There'll be a turn off party 
we'll all get together. <laughs> like, it'll, be like a, it'll be like those MMOs where they like turn the servers off and like the meteors come crashing down or whatever. Like, yeah, we'll 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 do something fun for sure. But hopefully, hopefully we won't have have to do that. And um, you know, if they have ideas on on how things we can do to be more in line with their mission. Uh, we'd absolutely absolutely love to hear from them of of you know what we can do. Fun fact: the last pl- the last player who was logged into the Halo Two online Xbox server to play online, the last player ever on that server, by the name of Apache Enforcer, a friend of mine, Craig Reed, actually is his real name. Uh, there goes that. Uh, is a friend of mine, which is just it's funny. So when you think about like these all the MMOs just sort of coming together and lighting candles and just waiting for the lights to go out in my head. I was like, that's the first thing I thought of was him sitting on, <laughs> sitting on the Xbox in a lobby that he can't play. And I'm like, all right, maybe, maybe there are other things that we could do <laughs> with our time, but that's uh, that's a, that's a good answer. I like that. Um, I, I, I strongly believe that like th- this platform is hel- is going to help the game of flesh and blood so much. I don't think there is any reason that they will, want to put it down for at least for the moment yeah i hope so i mean <laughs> for your sake and my own because uh otherwise if that's the case i'd be like well there goes my resurging streaming career down the toilet one more time. <laughs> uh this one coming from sleep coma also from the discord saying for the devs any thoughts on the ability to support draft pods on the platform the dream of a draft lobby or whatever set uh, for whatever set and being able to draft and play together would be amazing. So many new, pl- uh, so many new players never got a chance uh, to really even have an arc draft, for example. Stay tuned. Oh my goodness! That <laughs> that is always. It will be amazing. Yeah, it's those are always the like the the horniest responses where you're like, stay tuned, ever, and then everybody's brain is like, it's a sure thing, and then they just piece the puzzles to make it like this fantastical crazy monster of a of a thing but i'm excited draft pods i I wouldn't say it's a sure thing but it's definitely something um near the top of our our list of things to to work on it's we we get requested that quite a lot i like it i like it jotrick do you want to i don't i don't think i i will i will it will be amazing like it's definitely the the thing that I have the most difficulty right now is playing draft on uprising and i would love to be able to practice that so for me if if it's happened, I will be happy to to be there and try it. I feel like you 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 know something, Jotrick, that you're not supposed to say. And now here I am in this position of trying to be a like a respectable. Oh, journal. <laughs> I, I like Don't I can like yeah, I'm, we have, I'm just we have saying plans for sure. Like I could totally kind of Dan rather your asses and try to really push for answers here. Like, do I go full Barbara Walters on you and, and try to push? I, I plead the fifth. <laughs> All right, fine. Well, now it's become now it's become legal a legal battle. All right. Last one. This is from uh, Derek Oswald, aka Charmer, a uh, up and coming Fabcaster. All I say up and coming. I mean up and coming within the Fab community, but already a well established and and experienced veteran of the casting uh, for uh, Elder Scrolls Legends for Runeterra and uh got to cast with me in ohio for a 10k and a wonderful person asking do they plan to support pve when that finally is revealed um i'm assuming that pve is coming i don't i never heard any definitive answer to that but uh also do they worry that giving players the ability to drastically increase the sample size of games played will lead to statistically solved metas and do they track the game data in any way and if so do they plan on either using it for themselves, selling it as a premium product uh, in the form of meta reports, 
or monetizing it in any other way. That's some, I don't want to say sketchy area, but that's definitely some murky area when it comes to monetizing. But data and intellectual property are two separate things. So how do you, how do you guys uh, approach these questions? Sure. So um, on the, the PVE side, um, I personally, I love PVE, but I don't think that's something that we'll pursue. And the reason for that is because uh, we feel like our friends over at Felt Table really have that covered really well. Um, and I, I don't see a reason to, to try to duplicate the great, the great work that they're doing. And so um, I, I trust them to do whatever kind of PVE implementation um, they would, they would want to do. Um, as for the data, so um, yes, we do track game data uh, today. You may have seen some of the, the videos from Kugane uh, going over some of the data that we've had. We posted about it on Reddit in the past. Um, that is a huge concern for us, and that is uh, one of the things that's starting to kind of become a hot topic as well, is um, how is that data that we generate going to change the competitive landscape of the game? Um, I think, in my mind, there's no doubt that it's going to change it. I think we don't know if it's going to change it for the better or for the worse. Some people worry that it's going to um, result in a solved meta. Uh, I think there's also opportunity, though, to kind of use that data to disrupt a solved meta. Uh, a really great example of that, because I, I like to look through this data. I, I created that functionality because I love data. I, I really love kind of like geeking out or... or uh, just obsessing over that kind of stuff. And so um, I saw like, oh, Briar is um, going crazy. In my own testing, I, Briar was the hero that I've struggled the most with for weeks, uh, maybe months, because um, I think she's really strong, Mount, Mountain Briar specifically. And so I looked into what's strong against Briar. And what I found is um, that's all you got, the, the defense reaction, where if it blocks a thing that is to attack, you get to draw a card, has a really excellent win rate against um, Briar specifically for virtually every hero. Every single hero I looked at, that matchup, is um, that card is, is one of the strongest cards. And when, as soon as I saw that, I actually bought three copies of That's All You Got because I was like, man, I got to try this out. And so I think there's there's also a lot of opportunity to kind of disrupt those kind of solved metas. I, I get where you're coming from. Data and, and meta and solving it, like this is my main concern about this as well. And part of the appeal of these major events is because they are in their own reg uh, regard, like meta snapshots. So when you go to a major tournament, like, you know, the Pro Tour, let's for example, like the previous, you know, litmus test you had was Singapore, where you look at Singapore, you say, here's what won Singapore, it was a dash, it was this was already in the field, also in the field and whatnot. But what, what kind of turns people off from, um, you know, digital clients and such is that when there are tournaments, you kind of know exactly what to expect, because the, the machine has turned out thousands and thousands and thousands of games a day to basically settle on here's what's most played here are the win rates everybody's can you know you know stop putzing around in the lab to create their their monstrosities where where part of flesh and blood's appeal to me is that you go to these events you're like what the hell did people bring and like for instance just as an example matt folks ahead of the tournament said hey if i 3-0 draft and you got to put someone on camera Put me on camera because I'm bringing something naughty. And I was like, what are you playing? He's like, Briar. I'm like, dude, it's Briar. He's like, no, 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 no. 
were changing things around. But these were all secretive because of the practice that he was doing and, and not knowing where to go. But if you're out there grinding ladder, um, you're going to eventually bump into decks and people are going to cl clone those decks, uh, you know, r reverse engineer them, and then suddenly everything's solved and then the tournaments are less, you know, exciting. So that's kind of my concern when it comes to data. I, I, I think, think also that, like, this so solving things like that comes with just having a lot of players also, yeah? With, with Flesh and Blood Online growing, it, it, there's going to be more matches even outside Flesh and Blood Online. But also, when you go to those events, like, there's such a big uh, amazing thing about Flesh and Blood is th those meta calls. Like, if you know that this is the most popular, you have to you can play the counter of this deck and there's still a lot of meta call that I don't think that those kind of stats will solve. And I will still make it really interesting to go there and try to be like Yuki in Canada that won like with Ice Lexi against all those Briar that was there. Like I feel like we're almost living this a similar thing right now where like you can maybe still counter the meta even if we know that Briar is strong we will know that Briar is strong with or without Flesh and Blood Online. So for me, it doesn't, I'm not too worried about it. I, I think I, I was really amazed by Matthew Folks's deck and some of the, the response to that. You know, everybody said, man, that deck is so innovative. And it was, it was risky for him to take that deck, you know, promise of plenty. Like, so first of all, that's one of my pet cards. So I, I love to see that, uh, that, that he had used that. But I heard some anecdotes of people had to look up what that card does. Yeah. yeah I, I, <laughs> and so. I... I mean, like, I, I don't want to say I had an inside track on that deck. I absolutely didn't. But I had an inside track on people testing that card and testing, um, I think it's Pursuit of Knowledge was the other one. Um, mm -hmm. But I knew of this card. And, like, in private groups of just playtesting, and I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. I wonder if anybody's going to, you know, land on this card. And Matt Folks already had that in his back pocket. So I, I think the, the Fab in particular, it, it really rewards that kind of... Um, high risk, high reward kind of deck. Like, let me try to figure something out that is going to counter the prevalent meta. And so I think if, if I look at the Fab Online stats and I say, oh, Briar is number one, I should take Briar. That's a huge mistake because you know that there's going to be a handful of people out there that are trying to figure out what is the deck that beats Briar and they're going to take that deck and they're going to sweep the field. So yeah, sometimes it's just a matter of positioning yourself within a small meta. And you're right. And this is when... when you guys publish, I don't know who it is, if it's specifically you, uh, Jotrick, who publishes the data uh, and says, here's what we had this week, the matchups, the win rates, the play rates, etc. And I, what I always find is that people are replying to it. It's like, whoa, like, send me that Azalea list that has like a 75% win rate. I'm like, dude, that's probably some clown playing against his buddy. Um, yeah. And, and that, in a that was a statistical <laughs> anomaly for yeah, sure. That, like, that's definitely not you know, like, and, and again, if you want to fall into the trap of just saying whatever has the best win rate, like the, you know, it's the same thing that I always find funny when people post videos. Like when I was like, was very, was when I was doing Gwent content, people would put out videos of being like, you know, uh, 90% win rate deck. It's like, yeah, but it's like from the crap ranks uh, and you play, you went nine and one in the crap ranks with this random deck. It's not a 90% win rate deck because you're playing, you know, like you have to, there's context to it. There's interpretation to the data. But again, if you're just taking it at face value, I think a lot of people will look at the data and just get completely swindled. Well, I had 100% win rate with Guinness. 
So I had played too much <laughs> yeah. and I won both of them in Blitz. So I got the list yeah. just right in my DMs. We're going to have uh, the Guinness there, list. <laughs> there's so many stories of amusing things. Like uh, when we did the Blue Sigil of Solace challenge, there was one really strong player that really ran with that challenge. And for a while, Blue Sigil of Solace was the number one win rate card for Torinthia. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, oh, there's something here. What did I miss? This isn't a a promise of plenty situation where somebody actually took an obscure fringe card and made it uh and made it workable within the confines of like the archetype and the strategy and the hero that they're playing this is a situation of like hey here's a a, like a bad hero or a bad card that we want to see integrated into you know deck lists and let's see what happens. It's much like when when Tarek tweeted out like, "Oh, knickknack, bric-a-brac, that's going to be a big card," and everybody went absolutely bananas over it, and nothing happened to it. You know, like it was just kind of funny. But I like Holy we, God. yeah. But we've seen this occur. Like Matt Folks winning UK Nats, going twelve and zero or thirteen and zero on in UK Nats, playing Cokes of Commotion, instantly shot that card up from like a twenty five cent majestic to like a six or seven dollar card. Like everybody wanted it because he found why it was good. But why was it good? It was good because he was playing Briar into a, a Guardian meta where giving your opponent a Quicken token means absolutely Jack Smith. You know, I say Jack Smith. You know what I mean. I, I try not to swear on this podcast. My yeah. producer gives me bad, you know, bad mojo if I do. Um, I see I see the stats being more for enter entertainment value. I get a lot of entertainment out of it. I think um, for more serious tournament players, it, it can be kind of a starting point to get ideas, but you still need to do your homework. You need to do your own testing because you have no idea, like you said. Was that somebody just playing against their friend? That's it. And though the analogy I like that I've I've heard before is that it's like you can be you can be knowledgeable of the data and wise to it. So it, it, you know, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit, but wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. You know, like that's that's the difference. So you can be knowledgeable of the data and say, hey, look at this. There's a 75% win rate Azalea list. But wisdom is looking at it and saying, okay, the sample size is eight games. It won, you know, six of them or whatever. Uh, and it's probably two doofuses who are just playing uh azalea versus whatever azalea is good into you know if that even exists but or just learning the game there's a lot of new players on it yeah precisely precisely so data is not the end all however it is certainly something where you know if you're if if uh, fab online puts out a thousand games publishes or completes a thousand games a week the data as it is 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 just a thousand games out of the hundreds you know hundreds of thousands of players in the world uh, that might be playing it uh, it's not like Hearthstone or MTGA where you're getting tens of thousands of games a day and things typically sort out. Out of curiosity, how many games are played in a week? In a week? Um, I think it's changing every day. Week. Yeah, that's, every day it changes. <laughs> so let's say, let's say the week prior to uh, Pro Tour versus the week after, or like, you know, like right now, what's the surge that you guys are seeing? Like, how many games were completed, let's say, the week before Pro Tour versus what the trend that you guys might land on at the end of this week? So, I, I haven't looked at what it is this week. The last time I looked, it was about a thousand games a day. Oh, wow, a day. Okay, so that's a, yeah. that's a decent amount. All right, so, and that was the last time you checked. 
you yeah. you may have doubled up on that uh, i it, or even more in my estimation last time i checked on fab online before france i looked in there was maybe three games going on at any given time now i have my choice to spectate 20 at, at any given time which is great so i i do wish you success with this i hope that uh i i truly believe that this is something that it, i think it's a good thing I definitely do. Uh, I will never take this over an in-person experience, but the reality is, is I don't always have in-person experiences at my disposal. So this is a nice way for me uh, to connect with the community, to stream the game, to get games in when I want to. So uh, I want to say thank you both for your your exceptional efforts, your dedication, and your passion, as well as just the fact that you guys are are doing a service to the community that you are. 100% prepared to just drop at a moment's notice to support the game itself, to support the source material. So that's important for people to understand as well. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. We, we appreciate it. Th thank you very much for receiving us. It's really appreciated. Oh, it's my, it's my sincere pleasure again. Um, I'm, I have the lucky privilege of being able to talk to some great people in the community and this week is no exception so thank you so much uh if you guys want to plug any pluggables uh obviously fleshandbloodonline.com is the way where to go but uh personally to get in contact with you your discord servers etc why don't you drop them on us if you want to go on our twitter uh it's fabtcg uh, underscore online uh you can find on there the the link to our discord where you can give us all the feedback that you want uh, all the bug reports all some all the requests for the new feature and you can also find uh, the link to our patreon if you want to support us on there it's all on our twitter beautiful yeah the patreon is um again supporting you guys the time and the effort that you guys put in it's uh, important that some of that gets rewarded i wouldn't even i don't even know how much something like this would cost in terms of the, the time that you guys are spending your own time the you know the server and stuff like that so uh, please support them uh check out their patreon check out uh fab tcg underscore online on twitter and obviously fleshandbloodonline.com is where you can go and play it friends thank you so much for listening to the instant speed podcast to our sponsors at kfabecards.com as well as bcw supplies and our patrons because again like i mentioned as much as they're awesome and supportive of fab, fab online they're also very awesome and supportive of the instant speed podcast so you guys rock sauce cheers to you friends you're not losing if you're learning just keep playing the game you might win we'll catch you next time on instant speed Whoa.